So, Joel, do you want to start us off by defining the topic at hand? Yeah. So first I want to say that, like, Matt and I have done a bunch of these interviews so far, and at first we had very, like, different approaches to the idea of meaning-making. And in the last few, I've started to see more value in, like, making meaning out of the unexpected twists and turns that life throws at you, right? Mm. So one thing that's been coming to mind for me as I've been getting more involved in music events and concerts is this idea of Vienna. I had this friend a while back who would always talk about how he wanted to like rent a space nearby and like have musicians come in and out and like have all these shows happen. And the reason was that he wanted to create the concept of Vienna and how he would define it is that like in the 18th century, I think, like Mozart and I actually don't know all the classical composers who were from Vienna. I think Beethoven was one of them. I'm, I'm not sure. But a bunch of uh, classical composers came from Vienna and were all like making their best work at the same time or relatively the same time. So he wanted to, to recreate that, basically create a, a cultural artistic movement for a bunch of the local creatives to participate in. And I remember saying to him at the time, like, first of all, I'm not sure that that's something that you can create, but I think it is something that people, that most people tend to experience and I'm experiencing it right now. This was in 2019. And I said, I think that's happening, but it's happening in a more spread out way. And it's happening like across the DIY music movement. It's happening across like a lot of different like sectors of, of society that are, that tend to be more creative in nature. So I guess to get to the point... Vienna being a feeling that a lot of people share at once. It's a shared experience of a moment in time that consists of deep creativity and a shared purpose and, a, and like a, a commonality of purpose and, and sort of like responding to a calling that everyone kind of all feels at once mm. to contribute to this greater creative field that they're a part of, you know? Mm -hmm. So hopefully I explained that well. And the reason this came up with me and Ian on the phone the other night is that we were talking about 2019 and how we were all kind of involved in a little Vienna moment, or at least like what could be considered like kind of a microcosm of a Vienna moment and not, not one that would like go down in history books or anything like that, but just we're part of a moment when everyone is at their best artistically, or at least like stepping up to the plate artistically in a significant way. So... I think there's something interesting to be said about how it's categorized as a lot of people stepping up to the plate or people creating their best material because for a really good Vienna moment, at least for one to be memorable and how even recognized, almost all Vienna moments have to have like an audience that's kind of like pulled to it and resonates back at you with like the themes that you're singing about whether it be like your mental health spiral being 20 or drinking and going to parties, like you need to have that audience feedback in order to like kind of create that loop that allows you to keep doing the things you do. Like right. what we saw in 2019 was a response to people putting out their artwork, mm -hmm. whether it be a constant grind 
to be better at your artwork and then suddenly just like there's a flare and you catch a nice breeze and then fire starts. I don't know where the fire metaphor is supposed to be going, but (laughs) 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 because of this constant feedback loop, you have a memorable Vienna moment. I mean, there's probably a handful of artists that if they didn't have that feedback loop, they probably may have just stopped. And there's artists that will continue to create without that feedback loop. And is it safe to say that would you, would you have to observe a Vienna moment for it to exist? If a tree falls in the woods and makes, <laughs> makes a rock album... Don't get us started on that again. <laughs> and if no one's there to hear the rock album the tree made, is it good? Does it get written up in Pitchfork? <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. Because um, on the last few episodes that we've taped, like the word generative has been coming up a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that a Vienna moment... I guess someone has to hear it in order for it to be a communal moment, mm-hmm. right? Because at least your peers are going to be, you know, a, working alongside you and, and also producing their work while you produce yours. And, it, and it's that feedback loop doesn't exist without the like interpersonal feedback, right? Mm. At the same time, at least half of what's fulfilling about it is that personal generativity that is coming out. Like that work is being put out in part by you. You know, and in part that like you have all this creativity to absorb from other people as well. Like, so I don't know. I don't think that it it can exist in a vacuum, but I also don't think that it's entirely contingent on there being a wide audience either. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Ian, when you were talking about like people in their, like when they're 20 or like going to the same parties, like that's a very specific like communal feeling. Like when you have a community of people Mm -hmm. who are probably relatively the same age, enjoy each other's company. Like I think everybody who's at a certain age has that feeling when they're experiencing the company of their peers and they're kind of like just in a stage of life when there is a lot of possibility, a lot of freedom, a lot of flexible time that they can spend with each other and kind of like that's what makes it special. And I think what adds, like if you added to that, you know, like a massive movement of creativity being generated and being shared amongst a group of peers, like that would equal Vienna just as simply as a bunch of people at the same party. Mm. And so where meaning making comes in for me here, like both with, with the party example and with the artistic Vienna example, is how do you exist knowing that, that you've been through that? Like what is the reason to create anymore? What is the reason to be in community with creative people anymore if you look back on a time like that and you say, I might never experience a moment of concentrated like zeal for artistic expression in that same way. I would say that is more of a defeatist perspective. Um, It definitely is. (laughs) (laughs) So like there is, I'm I'm witnessing a Vienna moment happening. It was happening around like the, what we'll call new tone for the sake of it, the, the modern ska movement right now, where a lot of people are doing really cool shows, releasing really cool albums, hyping each other up and creating what is their own Vienna moment. Something that, I'm participating by like participant that gets to view it, but it's not exactly my arts world, but it still is like something that you get that secondhand enjoyment out of. Mm. It's like your, your Vienna moment will never come again when like 
these people who are probably been playing this in the genre for at least 10 years or even longer have outlasted like the genre being told, oh, you're not cool enough to hang with us to the point where like they're probably like 32 to 37, maybe even 40 playing to a bunch of new faces that would never have considered them to begin with. Yeah, I wouldn't say outright says like Vienna moments are guaranteed, but that if you fight hard enough for it and you create the right conditions and, you know, you lift up a bunch of other people and you ride this uh, the right creative wave, another Vienna moment is just around the corner. And whether it is yours to experience or for yours to witness and enjoy the fruits of it. Yeah, there's just going to be more. You will probably have a point where, like, you know, you're all in your 50s, like, relishing on the music you made in your 20s, 30s, 40s. And maybe sometimes you'll feel like it's that's it for me. Like, I'll make stuff here and there to fulfill myself creatively. But there'll still be, like, you know, you still can open up a space for Jim down the street who's 16 and is making laptop music that's, like, fucking blows everything you're doing out of the water and if you can't have your own vienna then i think it's a disservice to not extend a hand to help people have their own vienna Mm. by nature they're temporary too yeah right like it seems like all of the vienna moments like even if temporary means a generation like part of what makes them cool and beautiful is the fact that they they seem to come out of nowhere and then they not necessarily vanish, but they definitely turn into something else. Especially when you look at like art or like philosophy or something. It's like a lot of times it seems like they go down because another movement, like Ian was saying, like you, you've kind of inspired somebody else's in Vienna moment. Mm. Right. And then that Vienna sometimes has a sort of cannibalistic effect on on yours. But in the grand scheme of creative things, that's actually not necessarily bad. Mm. And it's as simple as say a legacy band taking out a younger act on tour and giving them Mm. a chance to sit in front of all of the older fans in front of people who've connected with art for decades and connect with art in a new way, or can be as trying as opening up a studio and hosting weekly open mics and booking people that you've never heard of before, hoping, not really hoping, but like facilitating the creation. Because even if you don't have a Vienna moment, you still have an artist at the end of the day who's got their chance to like put their work in front of people. And sometimes an artist needs that right kick in order to really pursue creative things that they've always wanted to do. We used to have these places that we could stay. We listen to thrash a trap till the night turns to day. comfortable existence for each of us all in our own place I'm reminded of the pilot of The Sopranos where in Tony Soprano's first therapy session he says uh, I'm going to try to do the voice you know what I was thinking about recently it's good to get on the ground floor or something that was terrible I can never do a Tony Soprano I can't do it <laughs> I hope James Gandolfini hears that. (laughs) From beyond the grave. (laughs) Oh, boy. 
Uh, he says, it's good to get on the ground floor or something. And of course he's talking about like, there was a golden age. There was a Vienna moment, if you will, of the, mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. like tri-state area, specifically New Jersey mop. But it's so true that like, cause I, I've come in at the tail end of a lot of things and like, for instance, I got into the Liturgist podcast at a time when I really, really needed it. And then I like became a part of that community and started being a discussion leader and everything. And just organizationally, it it had seen better days. You know, like mm-hmm. the like what I had been listening to in previous podcasts from five years, six years earlier was not at all what the community was anymore. And so I was like, oh, they had a Vienna moment. And like you can hear it. You can hear it in their conversations. You can hear it in the events that they hosted, like from time to time back then. They had a Vienna moment. I'm coming in now at the tail end of it. There's mm-hmm. another example that I that I had, but like, um, you know, it's, it's sometimes you get into things only to only to find that they have foundered mm-hmm. and they're no longer thriving in the way that they once were. And then you try to like be a part of that thing, and you're like, why isn't this working? And so, like on the one hand, I really, really agree with what you're saying about like lift people up, give people the opportunity to participate in the moment, and then it might become a Vienna moment, right? Like you mm-hmm. have to approach it with that optimism and that like that caregiving and that compassion for others. At the same time, sometimes things just do fall apart, and it is like as Matt was saying to make way for the next thing like not consciously necessarily but for instance i think of the beatniks like they had their moment because the lost generation had their moment you know like mm-hmm. one has to fall in order for the other to rise and the beatniks had to fall in order for the brat pack of the 80s to rise you know like just to keep with the literary example here like and there were things in between so things are cyclical in that way it's interesting that we're also pointing to groups of people who were young when they had that Vienna moment. And that's like mm. part of the existential part for me is like, will I ever be surrounded by peers in that way again? How do I make meaning of that? How do I just age gracefully out of, <laughs> <laughs> out of that possibility? Mm. The point is like, there's always a tail end mm-hmm. to that kind of thing where like people are going to find themselves interested in it because it has generated enough hype up until that point that you would have heard about it, but then you're not on the ground floor. And like that's kind of one of the most discouraging things to me. So I don't know. But one interesting thing to me is that like just looking at it like for specifically for creatives who have these moments, it's like it almost sort of ties back to the meaning versus purpose thing. Like granted it's not the most common thing, but there are definitely creatives who are able to change roles. Mm. Like their Vienna might kind of wane and then they do something else for a while or, or they lose popularity or whatever, but they sort of come back in and maybe it's not their Vienna moment, but they are there for somebody else's or maybe they're, it isn't a Vienna moment, but it's still pretty goddamn good, but they'll come back into the fray as something else, but still be there in as full a way as they were before. Like they might not be fronting a band, but they're producing now, or mm. they might not be painting, but like they made a really cool film. Like, you definitely hear about those kinds of people, but sometimes it seems like that happens. It's like bookending their life, you know, mm-hmm. like they'll have like some crazy profusion of creativity when they're in their like twenties or late teens and then kind of struggle for a little while and then come back when the next generation is figuring out what they did and how it inspired them. So if you look at it as one continuous thing, it's like you can kind of look at the the sort of sad beauty of one Vienna ending and like there's obviously mm-hmm. like the joy of being able to be there and, and be a part of it but also just realizing yeah like 
people will die. People will move away and have different families and the hotel that everybody lived in will get condemned or turned into condos. Like there's just going to be forces that you don't have a vote over Mm. that are going to steamroll it Mm. the same way you didn't get a vote over whether you got to have a Vienna moment in the first place. Like that's the magic of them to me. It's like you just wake up and all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, like this is awesome. Look at all this stuff going on. And that's the, the magic. But I think if you look at the way we've talked about, again, like meaning and purpose, kind of playing into one another over the course of your life, there's a way to sort of see these things as parts of a continuum rather than the way, you know, somebody might peak in high school. Like your Vienna moment is when you were the quarterback junior year. Right. I mean, uh, Matt touched upon something I wanted to mention, like that life is cyclical and that things will find their way back around in one way or another. There's a lot of movements in art that are called waves because of the ebb and flow of a certain kind of art and the new way can be reinterpreted by later generations. And someone there with that hindsight can make or break of a new Vienna moment Mm -hmm. in these current scenes. Like there's a lot of punks that are looking towards punks that were active in the nineties and eighties, taking from their example, listening to stories about them kind of hearing what their world was like. And as much as like these stories may not apply they're sometimes cautionary tales of who, how to work well with others, how to make your Vienna moment last as long as it can, and how to catch opportunity when it calls instead of waiting and waiting and waiting for it to just fizzle out past you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Joel, you talk about jumping into the liturgist world years after like it's it's fizzled, like. That is still a space where, you know, you can see a new wave of liturgists in like the next decade or so. It doesn't, you you don't have to like accept that, oh, it's just going to be a small community forever. It's funny because when I joined, it was actively fizzling. Like it was in the process of (laughs) not dissolving, but it was waning. And (laughs) can't it be hard sometimes to not take that personally? Oh, <laughs> certainly. But if you're an artist and you take like a couple of years of like not doing so hot as like failing and discouraging, then like it's a point of like reconsidering where art stands in your meaning and whether or not you need to reapproach how you consume it, create it and make it an active part of your life. Mm-hmm. One of the most influential musicians on me, John Darnielle, has not stopped making music since the early 90s. Like, it's been a record at least e- every couple of years. He had a Vienna moment in the 90s and like the Somali scenes. He had a Vienna moment in the early aughts, mid aughts with like some breakout records. Mm-hmm. And he's having Vienna moments again and again with like records that are succeeding in the indie undergrounds and mm-hmm. breaking their way into mainstream through like, you know, just simple virality. Like the song, no children, which came out in like the mid aughts blew up on TikTok at least 15 years later, uh, because someone did a silly dance to it. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have people thrusting their arms out when John Darnielle shouts to the audience, there is no sign of land. <laughs> You're you're pointing to something interesting, though. I don't know much about John Darnielle, but I'm willing to bet that, like, the Vienna moment that he had in the 90s was when he was young and had a bunch of peers who were all trying to make it. And that's a reasonable assumption to make, because look at, like, we're talking about the Beatniks, the Lost Generation, like, 
all these movements that happen because it's so often after a big war too. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, like a lot of the time. A lot of the time. So, are you saying that we're overdue for a big war? We just had a really long one. It wasn't a big one, but it was a really long one. <laughs> but it's been like two years. I mean, yeah. at this point, it's like, going. <laughs> no, but to get back to the point, like so often it, it is like people who are young and people who still have like a lot of potential ahead of them. So to, to apply a meaning making lens to this, right? Like, which is something that I've, that I've done and that I've worked on and that I think I am like in this role now and have been really like even in that last Vienna moment of, I was, I think I was sort of transitioning in 2019 from being like primarily a performer to also being a showrunner to also being a mentor of sorts. And Pratique once told me that I was the scene's disappointed uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointed uncle? That's a really bleak outlook on No you. one's ever fucking on time. Uh, yeah, you know, like, but like, that's, that's punk music. You just gotta kind of accept <laughs> that people are gonna not be on time. <laughs> anyway. The point I was making... <laughs> the point I was making was that like, I would also be willing to bet that John Darnielle, having had that Vienna moment in the 90s, surrounded by peers who were trying to make it in the music business, trying to get their art observed and consumed 20, 30 years later, having another Vienna moment looks a lot different. Mm. It's not any more, let's get as, as many Spotify streams as we can, or as many album sales as we can. It then becomes, now I'm in a position to mentor. Now I'm in a position to lift others up more so than I was 20, 30 years ago. You know, so I think like if that sort of Vienna moment returns to you later in life, there's a role that you have to adopt there. Like, okay, mm -hmm. now I've had this experience of my own and I can't just be so like captivated by my own story here. Like I have to recognize the talent and potential of others and I can act as a mentor here. I can act as somebody who can offer experience and can offer wisdom and can prop people up and help to usher a new generation in, which isn't easy. I find quite often that like I'm envious of the people who are who are just like young and have all that ahead of them and and like there's kind of still time to be noticed as a young person with a lot of potential ahead of them. Like that's people recognize potential in the young. Hmm. And then they recognize experience in the old. You know, so like <laughs> it's <laughs> if you're young and green but still have hella talent, it's going to be assumed that you'll have that forever. The world that wields a dagger wrapped in silver and red, aimed it at our throats, makes us work till we're old and dead. Give us one more year, we could spend it in bed. Cut a path through the reeds when we have all cleared our heads. This is all making me think, too, like, should we kind of quickly try to disambiguate a Vienna moment from, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like a heyday? Or from a successful period of, or, you know, a prolific period. It would be because, helpful, yeah. Because sometimes I think, like, it's easy to think about other artists' Vienna moments as their periods of greatest success, whether that's, right. like, album sales or recognition right. or whatever. Like, 
something where we have a metric for it and we can actually see like what they were blowing up during this decade. But I think I've had like three completely separate Vienna moments in my life and they've been short, but they've had that specific kind of magic that is only specific in its kind of like general outline, but all the other details were completely unique to that situation. You know, like it's, it's like a cookie cut, like a mold that goes over each period, but they're different, but they had that Vienna feeling. It was like everybody around me was like buzzing with this certain type of creativity and mm. there were the right kinds of clubs open and they were the right distance from each other. And everybody was getting into the same shit at the same time. Like it was just, it had that quality, but they were also periods of like profound failure. Mm. Like no one gave a shit. Like we all gave a shit, but no one around us did. And that was part of what made it so magical. It was like being snowed yeah. in, you know? It was like right. the whole world is quiet all around you and you hope that you're going to break through. Like it wasn't like this nihilistic thing, but it was just the thing that made it feel like Vienna was like the fact that we all felt like we were in like this little hotel together and we're mm. just making the coolest art we possibly can or we're writing the coolest songs we possibly can and then we're bouncing those off of each other and right. we're like we're all pushing it. Mm. But yeah, it's like if I looked at that on paper, that would look like this unromantic growth spurt, you know, at best, or just a period of like abject failure at worst. So I wonder if there's a difference between Vienna and just being in the, the height of your career or something. Are you saying that heyday would be defined by an amount of success? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, like I'm trying to think of like, say maybe so like none of that for you because of the amount of failure present in it was it was would you would consider a heyday. Yeah, and I'm not saying that I've had a heyday either, but like just that that period specifically, it felt like Vienna, but yeah. it didn't feel like Vienna because anything happened. Even the records we were working on like never came out. You know, it was like those kinds right. of even the, the internal level of success was even miserable. Mm -hmm. But the art that was made with the people that it was made with, the realizations that were had, like just the memories of it. It was like that's yeah. what I imagine hanging out with Satra and the crew to be like, like, that's what I imagine hanging out with the beats to be like, it, it had that feeling. So, you know, when I think about like a really successful band, like the Beatles or something, like was there Vienna when they broke into this multi-platinum, multi-continent, biggest band of all time? Or was it when they were in the Cavern Club? Well, now that raises a really interesting question though, because like did the, you don't necessarily think of the Beatles as being part of a movement. Yeah, yeah. Like they were part of a historical moment when like that kind of music was beginning to get big and after mm -hmm. the Beatles, everyone started copying the Beatles. Yeah. But you don't necessarily think like there's like the who was better, Beatles or Stones. There's the, you know, those kinds of conversations. But there's not like, oh yeah, Beatles, so-and-so, so-and-so. Like you could maybe add Donovan to that. They were in India together. You could add like, I forget who else was in India at the same time as them. But you know, that's kind of the only thing that comes to mind for me when looking at like, did did they have a Vienna moment? Yeah. Because like they weren't a part of a larger community of musicians. They were really like a very standalone. I could be wrong about this. Well, I think but, about even when they were young, like when they were starting to get into like, like almost when they were forming. Yeah. Like the Cavern yeah. Club days, like when they were, a couple of them were playing in like skiffle bands and like right. a couple of them were like greasers. And there was just that you got the sense that they had peers. Mm -hmm. But I mean, maybe just for the sake of example, like consider like Nirvana, because I think they had a similar trajectory, but 
at least we specifically are like probably more more aware of their peers right. and the scene that happened around them. So think about that. Like, was there Vienna when Nevermind came out, or was it when it was just all of these broke ass grunge bands hanging out in basements together, playing each other's songs? That's a good point, Matt. Because like I I was going to mention Nirvana and I was going to mention like when grunge became a thing. That was when that Vienna happened, but that's yeah. not really all that true. Like that's just when the commercialization of what their prior Vienna had been, yeah, took place. And their prior Vienna was like hanging out with the Melvins and the yeah pre Nevermind. And then you had this really magical time when Nirvana and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and Red Hot Chili Peppers were all like getting huge all at the same time. Like that's there. I saw that that recently like all of these albums came out within six months of each other in 1991 it's like what the hell (laughs) they did a big year (laughs) that was a huge year um so like you could very reasonably call that a vienna moment but for nirvana specifically i don't know that they would it would probably be you know the bleach era more so Mm. than the nevermind era Mm. well and then with that does the vantage point matter like did we have our grunge vienna moment Right. In 1991, but yeah. did the grunge players have theirs in 1989? Yeah. Like, is it the same Vienna, depending on <laughs> where you're looking at it? From? And that's like, what's interesting is, like, which which version, which vantage point makes it into the history books, and it's going to be the more commercialized vantage point, probably. Mm. You know? Yeah. But that's why I think, like, this is such a, a personal experience, like a, a uh, an individual-to-individual experience but also like tends to be shared by a very wide group of people at the same time Mm. so we talk about singular vienna moments but if you were to look at the beatles uh, discography and like the events in their life you have to think considering the wider vienna they may have created around their later records they must have had at least like three or four different ones whether internal or their external influence on culture there's so many bands that Harken to White Album and Sgt. Pepper as like being albums influential upon their music. There's, right. there's a reason that like the music the Beatles create to some can sound like plain old music because so many people have borrowed from it due to like that surge, that Vienna that was around mm-hmm. them. You know, sometimes you don't have to even take in the caretaker fostering role to just make music that connects with people at a different time frame, start a new Vienna and usher in a new era of art making in the vein of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It does fall upon like what you're talking about, like internal Viennas creating external Viennas. And then I guess there's like the external Vienna on a longer timeline, like with records that are inspired by Sgt. Pepper, like they're endless, right? Mm. But like the artistic lineage gets taken into account there. Mm -hmm. I've experienced this a lot with folk music because like, one of the Vienna moments that I admire the most was like 19, like mid 1960s London, right? Like the progressive folk movement is something that I really would have liked to be present for, where suddenly all of these traditional folk songs are kind of getting reimagined and rearranged into like more like jazzier versions or versions with sitars and like <laughs> cool, like exotic instruments coming into it, right? And that would have been a really cool thing. But some of the most successful meaning that I've applied to music, I think, has been like acknowledging that as a folk musician, recognizing the lineage of my work and knowing that like on my best days when I'm writing a folk song, I try 
to have the canon in mind. Mm-hmm. I, tr- I try to say like I'm I'm writing this to contribute to like the the songbook of American folk music, right? And so mm-hmm. to think about the lineage like that in the same way that somebody who's inspired by Frank Zappa or Sgt. Pepper or Tom Waits or something like that. It's like you acknowledge the lineage when you're making that move. Like everything you do is an homage in, in some way or at least mm-hmm. like attempts to honor the uh, the origin of that inspiration for you. And so I think like it might not be appropriately called Vienna, um, but we're making this word up anyway or my friend Peter made it up. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> no, but it's a great word and it yeah. really accurately describes something that's otherwise like kind of ineffable. Yeah. But it's interesting trying to define it because it's almost like the more we talk about it, the more it feels like, you know, like one of those like decision trees where it's like, well, here's two more possibilities or here's two more requirements or conditions. Like, let's figure out what those are. And right. there's so many facets to it now that there weren't 33 minutes ago for me, which is <laughs> it's kind of a cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, the one that keeps coming to mind, it's similar to the um, conversation we had with RJ. Mm-hmm. But like what impact does the social component play like does a vienna moment require a certain level of social activity Mm. or a certain quality of social activity yeah or and if so what is the minimum amount in the context that we're talking about it it does require some kind of a a scene or a community or a little click of people or something like probably could be a neighborhood i mean but could you have one alone or with one or two other people, like what would be the minimum amount of social back and forth that could happen to have it ultimately result in a Vienna moment? When you have it with one or two other people, isn't that just a band? <laughs> I know, right? Like that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of a... So yeah. I would say that there's different types of Vienna you can get. There, You can create your, your own Vienna by just making music in your garage for like 30 years. And like, as long as you still feel that momentum with yourself as long as you still feel that energy and that dopamine rush from creating like this brand new song a personal vienna you can always continue experiencing in this cer- mm-hmm. certain way it's just when you externalize it do you create a vienna around you are you a musician that like puts out a record and like gets hype with all of your other friends' records or are you an artist that like paints something, puts it up in a gallery with like all your other friends and you're all just like excited over each other's paintings? Or are you just someone that puts your stuff out there and is like, hey, check this out, then otherwise just kind of wandering out? Well, that's what I meant even by like the social, not just the level, but like the quality of the social interaction. Because I think about like scenes that we've all been a part of and, and how sometimes you just hit that streak. Like, when, you know, we were all at the puzzle factory mm. when that existed and like, that type of scene is so kind of short-lived a lot. Like every time I've ever experienced something like that, but part of it is like that makes it so special and so kind of like unable to endure for like a super, super long time is that it has this almost like mutual aid component to it Mm. that just happens so naturally and so much as a result of, of people's actual just natural skill sets and stuff. Like it doesn't have to be, forest no one has to sign up it just happens to be that like all these people are together who have all these complementary skills and all these complementary talents and needs and whatever and you just kind of wake up one day and look around and you're like shit like there's art on the walls because there's a bunch of people here that paint and want to 
right. express that. And then on the flip side, there's a bunch of people here who like looking at paintings. And hey, those people happen to be in bands. And guess what? Those artists like listening to music. And like, this one knows how to build shit. This one is an electrician. Like, there's just this thing that happens. And after a while, it just feels like it existed before anyone decided to put it into existence. And mm -hmm. I think that that's a crucial quality that the social um, fabric of a Vienna moment has to take on. Right. At least in my imagination, because that's what I always picture. And this might be entirely projected, but that's what I always picture when I think about people sitting around in like the salons or whatever, or the grunge guys sitting around in those basements. It's just this tight-knit moment in time kind of social bonding that happens. I wanted to read a Facebook post from June 2019. And it's interesting that Matt had talked a little bit about failure earlier, you know, like the, <laughs> the many different Vienna moments that included a lot of failure, but also a lot of big creative energy. Because as I read through this, there's a bit of failure in it, like an in retrospect. So it says, Right now feels like the right time for a lot of things. Amazing albums are being slash have recently been released by both my friends and my influences. I'm getting ever closer to completing my own album, Failure Number One. <laughs> <laughs> I'm closing in on the end of an editing project for Ali Zagami's novel, a novel which she has scrapped. <laughs> Amber Tortorelli just put together a conceptual art show that knocked my socks off. It was great. The nervous record is so good that it makes me want to weep. The people I'm featuring on my podcast are offering some very inspiring insight. This is Friday Night Folk, not Black Market Therapy. Mm -hmm. um, it just feels like a lot of things are coming to fruition. Everyone around me is working hard, being proactive, and contributing to their respective communities in ways that are raising the standards of DIY slash DIT culture. And it feels like the right time for that to happen. I don't know that I that Peter and I were talking about Vienna at the time that I wrote that, but it was about that time that we would have been. That felt like the right time for so many things, and it, it just felt like a lot of creative energy was being directed, at least in in the right places. Mm -hmm. Even though, like, two of the things that I listed in that post never came to fruition. Yeah, and there was a failure to complete, but that d didn't make it like a failure in respect to the movement, in respect to the time in which it happened, because it was all just a product of a, a collective source and propulsion of energy that made for this like really great ethereal feeling. So I don't know. I just wanted to touch on that. Like that's the failure thing kind of made me think of that because I ha I've had that pulled up for the whole conversation. But just because something doesn't come to fruition, like it definitely does not detract from the sensations of that creative moment that allow you to do that creating in the first place, you know? So what did you do with that energy? What did you do with the energy that you got as you were in it and the lessons you took from it is I think the question we should be asking ourselves. Well, on my end, it's hard to answer. That energy was sapped when Woolen Mills got closed down. Mm -hmm. And then it was sapped even further when the pandemic happened. So I think like the era and time that comes to mind for me the most was necessarily short-lived because shortly after a time came when we couldn't all be together anymore. And I would actually argue that there was a mini Vienna moment 
at the beginning of the pandemic when everyone was live streaming and everyone was kind of like, that was a whole different kind of shared experience and art was being consumed in a different way by everyone en masse. Mm. So that's interesting to think about. But yeah, just as far as like that kind of mid 2019 time for me, like kind of culminated in Together Fest and then fell apart as soon as Woolen Mill shut down. Yeah. But it was a really cool moment. However, there's a lot that that came out of it. And even with this unnatural shutdown, when the time is right, it'll strike again. And with that knowledge and experience that you've pulled from a Vienna moment like that, you can you can create your second or just foster someone else's Vienna moment. Well, this is what I was kind of like when Matt and I first talked about this last spring. It was right before I took my current job. And I was talking to him about like, you know, I'm, I'm going to take this job but it necessarily means that I will be at least partially responsible for creating a Vienna moment. Mm-hmm. I won't necessarily be a part of it as a creator, although I might be. But like the best thing that I can do with my time professionally and creatively is to foster that feeling and to like to be there as a champion of that. Even if I'm not like a primary creator in that movement, you know, like I'm putting lots of songwriters on stages right now and I haven't written a new song in a while and that's okay. I get to watch a lot of people come together and just kind of be at their best Mm. and I'm watching new talent rise and it's a good feeling Mm. and it's partially a result of maturing and it's partially a result of like having had these moments myself And again, not a heyday, (laughs) definitely not a heyday, but certainly a Vienna or two. And having had those moments myself and, and just, just knowing like how inspiring it can be. And like, I really do believe that like bad art is boring as shit to me. Like if the best thing that I can do to like maintain my peaked interest is to curate a community and to foster those experiences and other songwriters and other artists so that they can come together and they can have that moment and I can witness it happening, then I'm not going to be bored. If I put my best energy into allowing good art to be made, that makes the world better. It makes my personal experience better. It makes the world better because I think probably a lot of people are bored by bad art. That's the meaning that I've had to throw into place here. Mm. Better as a as a mentor than as a curmudgeon. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you don't have to always be a mentor, though. No, of course not. No, there's a point where you can just kind of try and lean back and let people do. But you know, sometimes some of the best art comes from recontextualizing your life and kind of reanalyzing what you've been doing, and like maybe taking the lessons that you've learned since you've made music in your last Vienna moment and make your art into the lesson itself. Mm. I'm, I'm going to hop back on a previous example. The Sunset Tree is a, in an album John Darnielle wrote about abuse uh, from his stepfather and like navigating that relationship and the reflection of it as he grew older and how it colored, like how he interacted with several people. Like as much as John was a mentor figure to some, like he was a participant in creating new music that, generated its own new Vienna moment as it connected with people and taught them lessons that they would not have learned otherwise. Mm. You know, you don't always have to be strictly a mentor. Sometimes you'll just find your own new way of expressing your truths or expressing your opinions and feelings. 
and it'll just be a new context for it. Mm-hmm. I'll combine those examples a little bit, kind of the student and the mentor examples, because one of the Vienna moments that I became privy to a little bit after it had happened, but over the pandemic, when I started uh, getting into the the whole like YouTube maker movement, and we had David Picciuto on our podcast last season, who was like a, a big part of that, you know, they had their Vienna moment in like probably 2016-ish, or a lot of different events that everyone would travel to. But like primarily it's a community of YouTubers who are able to stay in touch virtually and are like having this moment for at a distance. You know, they're not necessarily like in the same city. They're not necessarily young either. Like, but the technology is young or like the means of communication is kind of a young one. Right. So when everyone's making these videos, some of them are tutorial videos. But aside from that, they are just like around to help each other learn. Right. And either they're helping, either they're like collectively learning how to do this as a business. That's one thing. They're collectively learning how to get better at their skills. They're collectively learning how to make better videos. But it is like everyone who did that had to start off as a student of some kind. I don't know if they all had like a mentor going (laughs) into it, but they all became each other's, maybe not mentors, but teachers in some way. And like it has never not been, as far as I can tell, like it has never not been a super supportive movement because it was something that everyone was so good at, which kind of brings me to the next point. I didn't plan on this being the next point, but it <laughs> makes me think of like the disillusionment that is inherent in this and the like the thing to strive for that is so inherent in this is so based on what is modeled for us. You know, like like the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's era, like the grunge era, like the beatniks. Like we have these Vienna moments modeled for us that we kind of chase after and we like think to ourselves, Oh, I've got to be a part of one of those movements. I've got to be a part of one of those communities that just has it together all at the same time. Otherwise I'll never have my moment, you know, but in looking at a movement like that, the maker movement in particular, a technology that was so young that none of it could have been modeled for any of them. And they just found their niche and came together and made it happen. Like what a beautiful gift for those people to have for those people to not be like chasing the dream of like some rocks like rock star glory but instead to just like find their niche in something that is new and just completely like there was no way to not be green Mm. i mean same with the 60s progressive folk how they introduced elements they weren't familiar with and were figuring out along the way we have that with the makers movement we have that with people self-producing weird glitchy hyper pop in their bedrooms, like not no one yeah. really knowing how to do it. Right. <laughs> and just experimenting, seeing what works. We have those all the time as more technology and more people find the limits and break those limits with new technologies, new ideas, new philosophies. Mm. Well, maybe that's a key feature of a true Vienna moment as opposed to a heyday or a scene or a, you know, your glory years or something is there's something whether it's a technology or a philosophy or a style or whatever, but there's something that's new enough Mm. to a group of people who know each other or know of each other or somehow able to contact each other. Mm. And it's a bunch of people like scrambling to figure out how to use this new thing kind of in tandem, Mm. because that seems to be the through line, like based on everything we've talked about, like when it's like a new philosophy, it's the same thing. Like everybody's writing treatises and books and figuring out their way of living based on this thing and then writing a book about that. If it's a new synthesizer, it's everybody's in their bedroom making crazy ass demos and sending them to each other. It's like 
you could say the same about any video technology or any clothing in some ways. Yeah. Um, certain act like activist type movements. Um, I mean, I you could probably take it all the way back to even certain inventions. Like maybe there was a <laughs> Vienna moment when we figured out the wheel or figured out fire. <laughs> like. Yeah. You know, just a bunch of people being like, holy shit, we can roll stuff. And yeah. everybody's building carts and like trying to outdo each other. Like, it just seems like this really human element of living that we're able to bring to the table. Like, just this yeah. crazy creativity that meets socializing at a certain point. It must point. have happened when the Moog came out. <laughs> So, Captain, answer this however you like. We've been asking all of our guests. and uh, Okay. So just bring your own perspective, your own definitions, your own experience to this. But mm-hmm. why live? Why live? Because mm. there's a bright, beautiful world out there that is not going to be experienced unless I go out there and enjoy it and see what unexpected possibilities are there in front of me because of, like the endless creativity of the people around us. There's going to be moments here and there where people are going to fade in and out of creating material, but there's always going to be something exciting happening. It's just maybe you have to dig a little bit deeper to find it. Yeah. it's hmm. a good answer. Thanks. Pass the test. <laughs> Hell yeah. I hope that... Uh, this has right. been great, this whole <laughs> podcast. Take ass. All right. Um, so there's some parts where I was flubbing a little bit. I was fading a little bit, losing focus. So if you're grading me, I'm guessing you're going to give me a B plus. Because I mean, like... I, I don't make the rules. All right, so which, which one are you grading then? Which, which one of you is grading? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Munjan. I only grade myself on the edit. I don't grade the guest. Okay. All right. Well, then, so uh, in like six weeks, I can expect maybe a grade? Yeah, sure. But, okay, it, I mean, cool. it'll be All my right. grade. It'll be your grade. <laughs> Grading yourself. Yeah. Well, then that's... Uh, yeah. Nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> How would you grade yourself? I don't know. I'm always B plus? Are you sticking with the B plus? I'll, I'll stick with a B. Because, like, <laughs> I'm harder on myself, and I know yeah. I can do better. And being hard on myself is how I've gotten better in the first place. So mm. I'm going to give myself a B and tell myself, Ian, you got points, but you need to just sit down and think a little bit more. Maybe try and curb some of that ADHD so you can, like, really slot yourself into conversations. Mm. This is a really interesting conversation to have. Yeah, this is a fun one. <laughs> Oh, Ian, do you have any plugs? Do you have any pl- Um, Probably by the time that this stuff is dropping, I will either be um, announcing or showing off uh, a song or two from this record that I've been working on for a couple of years. It's about grief processing and understanding and making sense of the void left behind by people, mm-hmm. whether they be romantic or peers or whatever. It's called post-pandemic blues, and um, yeah, you can just follow me on social media. My ha- handles are the North Haven One H. Find me there. Find these two beautiful bastards <laughs> doing what they do. <laughs> like, what? What are your handles? What do you got plugging? What do you got going on in your worlds? Literally, just my name, dude. It's yeah. my handle for everything. Yeah. Joel, don't you have a Patreon? I do. Oh, okay. So, oh. <laughs> 
We didn't do this with Dickens, so I wanted to ask Ian mm-hmm. and Matt and myself what uh, sorts of New, Year- New Year's resolutions we have. And I will start because you asked about Patreon. One of my goals this year is to be a better archivist. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be going through like all of my old demos and like properly archiving them using Patreon as an archival tool, essentially. So I have this giant junkyard, digital junkyard of <laughs> old demos and project files and, and things like that. So I'm doing kind of like a weekly file dump <laughs> I'm just like, I'm going to go through every version of this song that I've recorded and the ones that I don't feel are worth keeping anymore, I will delete if it's just like a really shitty old phone demo that does nothing for me when I listen to it, it can go. Um, If it has some value, then I'll post it Hmm. and then I'll keep it in that form, right? So throughout the year, that's what I'll be doing on my Patreon is just like trying to archive all of my old stuff properly and hopefully that will uh result in some actual stuff being released down the line uh if only a a collection of old demos or something like that but check that out a lot of the content that i post on there is free also i like i'm a big believer in in free content some of it is behind a paywall but i think that there's a lot of value in just kind of using it as a as a blog that people can or as i don't know if blogs the right word but as just kind of a you know, a, a content creation or archival page that people can visit at their leisure and uh, see what you've been up to. So there's a lot of a lot of free content over there. You don't have to pay. I would appreciate it if you did, but I give this man a yeah. dollar every month. You should yeah. do it too. <laughs> <laughs> Please just give him money. Let him exist in making art and facilitating. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, all of my other uh, New Year's resolutions this year are just kind of uh, finishing music and archiving things and getting better at using certain tools. So like not a whole lot of specific stuff, but just some broader goals. But yeah, I wonder if, if either of you have New Year's resolutions that you'd like to talk about. Yeah, I got mine. I mean, actual resolutions are improved technique on four different instruments. I mean, hmm. I've... I have several challenges standing up against me from being a really good musician in the ways that I want to be like some songs and some bands, like I would need to hop off my main instrument so someone else with better technique could hop in for me. So Mm. to, to like play the part of the song accurately. So I want to nail that part down, like be a really good claw hammer banjo player by the end of the year, be good at slap bass, uh, really good at upstroke guitar, like that less gone muted stuff, like getting into that syncopated offbeat rhythm and then just drums in general. But I got aside from facilitating a lot of technical skill and ability, enjoying life, reconnecting with people that I haven't seen in a while, like making a concerted effort to make them understand you matter to me. And I know being on top of my shit, I got a fucking... I'm buying like four notebooks this year. I've got a calendar above my bed. I'm being more organized and being on top of my shit. Because <laughs> a lot of things that I've done have suffered because I haven't been on as on top of them as I could have been. I don't know whether it's like my organization went to shit during the pandemic or if it was always to shit. And I just pre-pandemic had less to worry about. 
but I can't keep living in a disorganized mess and got to take the put it forward the intent to be a better human in the next year. Nice. I like but it. Yeah. yeah. Matt, what about you? Yeah, I don't know. I kind of um I actually thought about it on New Year's Day and realized this is kind of the first year in recent memory that I don't think I've had any formally. Like not because I feel like I'm, like I'm perfect in every way, but just because I feel like I got into a good rhythm over the last few years, and especially this past year, at kind of resizing and reframing a lot of the goals and objectives and whatever that would have been lingering and would have become New Year's resolutions. So I have stuff I want to improve, but the time phasing is different. You know, like I'm, I feel like I'm in a good cycle of like, saying, all right, in like two months, I'm going to hit this. And then two months, I'm going to hit this. And that's going to lead eventually to this 10-year thing. Like, I have a bunch of stuff like that that I'm really pleased with. And it's been working for a while. So I'm kind of, I guess, my like meta resolution would be to just keep those micro resolutions going. Because it's, I like them. And I like that they aren't this once a year thing for the first time in my adult life. Um, Mm -hmm. But then I guess also to, maybe I do have one... Because as we were talking about it, I was thinking about what I said last year when we had this question, which was, I think one of them was to like try to leave conversations early or try to, not early, but like when I am like done, you know, just having like kind of better social like flexibility that way. Yeah. I don't feel like I nailed that last year. I feel like I got better, but I don't think I quite got there. So I want to get better at just like having actual like adult social boundaries and just being like, (laughs) no, I don't want to do X, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and not feeling like that's a big thing. Mm. Cause I look Mm. at people doing it all the time and I'm like, how, how do you do it? How do you go to sleep (laughs) after that? Like, so that's something to work on. So yeah, maybe that, maybe that's my resolution. And that's our show. We want to thank our friend Ian Garland for being our guest this week. This episode was scored using selections from his new album, Post-Pandemic Blues, which you can find everywhere under the name North Haven. And for more of Ian's work, you can follow the North Haven and Haven Soundworks on social media. And you can also follow us on social media to stay up to date with our latest releases. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send an email to blackmarkettherapypodcast at gmail.com. We hope you join us next time when we'll be talking with our friend R.J. Barnett about the concept of paracosms and how we use fiction and imaginary worlds to make meaning of reality. Until then.